0: Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
1: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Volvo
0: goes international for this current... Term
2: different is uh, I need to learn a lot of new things. First of all, sitting on the other side of the cockpit and sitting on the right-hand side, um, it's a bit of a difference, but otherwise it's um, a lot of things that will be different. I I don't know where where to start. And Todd tells us about his
0: first year with Nissan.
3: The amount of effort that's gone into these cars, just the R&D. Uh, which is unfortunately um, extremely expensive but where we started this year with the engine um, both reliability and power output's been you know huge improvements.
0: It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insider.
1: You've taken the V8 to the races, you watch the action on TV, now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out
0: now. Robert Dahlgren has been announced as Scott McLaughlin's teammate at Volvo Polestar Racing. The 34-year-old in 2001 won the British Formula Ford Championship and became a Volvo Polestar contracted driver in 2004, competing for the manufacturer in the World Touring Car Championship, the Swedish Touring Car Championship and Scandinavian Touring Car Championships, while helping to develop the S60 Polestar road car. Dahlgren knows it's not going to be an easy transition down under. All, all the new tracks,
2: uh, the championship, is a fantastic championship, uh... Glad I'm I'm here with the team and, and uh, teammates with Scott as well, and um, it'll be a big challenge for me, obviously, and um, for the whole team with a new car as well. Uh, but I, think, I
0: think it will be um, a challenge that we, we're really looking forward to. Still on, Volvo Polestar Racing and Valvoline has been confirmed as the title sponsor. The longtime sponsor of Gary Rogers Motorsport has been on board since 1998 and was the team's major sponsor when it entered the V8 Supercar Series in 1996. Dean Canto will have a new co driving role this year. He's heading to Brazil to drive a Chevy with former V8 Supercar driver Max Wilson in the Brazilian stock car race at Interlagos on March 22. The V8 insiders send their condolences to the family and friends of Ivan Stibbard, who passed away this week following a long battle with illness. The well-respected motorsport administrator was part of the Bathurst management team for 30 years. His funeral will be held next Tuesday. Finally, Cadell Evans tried his hands at a V8 supercar this week at Calder Park. The 2011 Tour de France winner had a moment on the back straight but was still able to impress his mentor, Garth Tander.
4: Great job, like straight away, straight in. Like most um, top-level athletes, whenever they try something new and foreign, you start three or four steps above wherever else would steps. So straight into it, straight in. Good feel for the gearbox straight away. The, he was said to me before, the thing he was most nervous about was stalling it when he left in front of all the cameras and that. So
3: just drove straight away and straight into it. Just coming out of there, like obviously coming into the corner fast and carrying the speed through the corner, and then that's some, um, that doesn't seem so difficult, but just getting that power down and, and keeping that right, then, um, you know, this is a dry track now with the cars around when it's in race speed. I can't, um, I can't imagine how, how difficult it is.
0: On this week's roundtable, Adrian Mussolino and Tony Whitlock look at Volvo's announcement and how many cars will we see on the grid at Clipsall. Then on the white flag lap, Todd Kelly will give us his thoughts on year one at Nissan. That's the news on the V8 Insiders brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com.au.
1: News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
0: Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders and joining us for the first time in 2014, it's the Editor-in-Chief of V8X Magazine, Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian.
4: Good evening,
0: Craig. How are you? Well, I'm uh, very well, thanks. And, uh, well, he might have retired unofficially at the end of last year, but Tony Whitlock from Race Faxes, great to have you on the show.
2: I'm just on different duties.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh,
2: well, 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 indeed. Great
1: to be
0: here. Well, I hope you have both had a great Christmas and New Year, and uh, we're looking forward to the start of what will be... It's almost like a gap year, Adrian, because... Channel Seven still in charge, but we know it's not going to be there the next year. Does that, do you think, going to um, put any impact on the series at all, and the way the series goes about its work this year?
4: I'm not so sure it will. I think Channel 7 will still, you know, do a good professional job, and I think they have every reason to finish off their spell as the host broadcaster. Um, you know, it's been a good relationship with the Supercast. It's, I think it's 2007 that they came back in the fold and I think it'll be the same as always. I think the big speculation will obviously be looking ahead to 2015 and what is the divide between Channel 10 and Frontstall. I think we still don't know. I don't know if the cars know themselves. Um, I think still in the process of being debated with Frontstall and Channel 10. So I think that'll be the big talking point leading into this year and I think that you know, may distract a few people um, away from
2: event
0: that in 2014. What about you, Tony? Do you think it feels like a gap year?
2: No, I don't. I mean, the unfortunate thing for Channel 7 is if Channel 10 had never done the good job it did, then 7 would have certainly set a benchmark. Unfortunately, they had. Channel 10 didn't use weathermen as 7 has. Um, it had people who were far more um, motorsport uh, committed, and therefore always had people who are, you know, like Greg Rust and even with Grand Deniers and, um, um, you know, they were all far more committed motorsport people and therefore there was a different level. But, you know, going back to 10, I think it's great news. So I think James Warburton certainly should be congratulating. He'll probably get a nice fat check as a thank you from uh, Good People Archers. Um, it, it's um, the overwhelming thing will probably be just the discussion about um, free to wear versus pay and all those sort of things. That'll go on. There's no question that Seven love um, the uh, Bathurst in particular. The rest of it, they just weren't so enamoured with.
0: It is a tough one, isn't it? Uh, because we're going to see Vertu Supercars trying a lot of things now, which the rewards are going to be paid off for the 10 years, Adrian.
4: Look, it's such a big debate in the sport at the moment. I think the point I'd throw up in there when we're talking about the TV deal is we have to remember how crucial that revenue stream is for teams and how much they suffered in, in twenty thirteen given the low revenue from the last T V deal. This, you know, two hundred million dollar plus deal is crucial for the existence of the sport. Without it there wouldn't be teams, without them there's no show. So you know, I think the pay T V three to air debate will go on and it's really gonna divide the fan base. Um, but we've got to remember that it was crucial to the whole series rolling on mm. beyond
2: twenty fourteen the interesting thing is you can look just across the ditch at new zealand they haven't had v8 supercars on free to air for a couple of years now and none of their major motorsport is on free to air in fact none of their major sport they don't have an anti-siphoning rule um it's only the very top end of the the rugby that gets on free to air most of the other sport people in new zealand are used to paying for um so they're used to it and unfortunately there is a consequence that's why they have a lot of problem getting sponsors on board super tours is because they can't deliver a proper audience
0: Mm. well it's going to be a, a topic we're going to investigate right throughout the year but it leads into something that adrian was saying and that is teams have been affected by the drop in revenue from the tv deal you must temper that, though, Tony, with the fact that they also took a cut in their share of the revenue coming into the series because they took a cash handout, as it were, by selling a goodly proportion of their share of the business.
2: Yeah, it's a lucky thing there's three less, probably three less, I think there will be, um, this year, because that just means a little bit more for each of the other 25 that are left, um, and that each time that there is a drop, I mean, obviously there's a crucial point i don't i think certainly 22 24 would be they wouldn't want to go under it but um it, it certainly has been extremely tough for them uh, operating in the way they have and uh you know it, it's getting new sponsors lined up i mean then the tv on the compounding sort of problem but i think there is certainly an impetus and a change um archers certainly realise that um they needed to do some things from a business point of view, and um, trying to keep the teams on board was obviously very important. Adrian, yeah, I think what we're going to find is that the grid may be
4: down this year. I think that, that you know, it look, it's looking around the twenty-five mark at the moment. Um, but I think what we'll see is as that revenue yeah. stream comes in from twenty fifteen we'll see it get back up to the 28 figure. I think what we've got to factor in here is that more manufacturer involvement will inevitably increase the grid. Um, this year, for example, we're going to see four car teams from Ford, Holden and Nissan factory teams. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd sort of put money on the fact that we're going to see more Volvos on the grid in 2015. Um, so it's a question of how the Supercars uses those licenses and how it then distributes them around um, the ones that have been handed back from this year, I think.
0: That'll be an interesting talking point as well this year. And, Tony, it's an, interesting, uh, it's an interesting situation of what happens because they the teams that have handed back their licence, it's believed that it's uh, Fiori, Dalbertos, and uh, I think uh, Lucas D'Umbrell, but I'm not 100% sure on that third yeah. one. Yeah. They, th- those licences don't just go back and nothing happens. The V8 supercars are required to try to sell them or the board can take the option of buying them back. They don't just automatically acquire them.
2: Correct. The That's 100% correct. And uh, it's very different to the times uh, some years back when licences were just acquired back into the system. Um, this is now a situation. And, you know, the, the, certainly the Fioris, for instance, while they bought a licence at top price and now see at the bottom end doesn't necessarily mean that it's gone forever, as uh, Adrian mentioned, that... There could be a time in the future when they will uh,
0: be reactivated, uh, shall we say. Mm. And, and, of course, uh, there is uh, still a a thing called a wild card that is available. If uh, Obviously, you can't have a situation, say, like we have in NASCAR, where someone enters the race just to get prize money because there isn't prize money on every race. And I don't know if people really appreciate that you win Bathurst, you don't get a, a, a big cheque, you get a trophy, but uh, you... You know, you then get a cut of the money as proportionate to where you finish in the team's championship. The big thing, though, is you could have someone who gets a bag of money from somewhere else and then decides to put a car on the grid at select races, Tony.
2: Yes, yeah. Um, Obviously, we saw the, uh, uh, what was it, Um, the Priya and Matthias uh, Extra.
0: Yep, that was the Xbox car at Bathurst.
2: Yeah um, and certainly uh, those sort of situations could crop up again but I think it has to be exceptional uh, dollars for anybody to be motivated to go and do it mm. because um, you can't just come in to be a grid filler you've got to actually be there to and you know seriously that car was a top five certainly.
0: Yep it was indeed. Just a thought uh, we've seen a little bit more. Uh, of the culling going on, Adrian at V8 Supercars, with Kurt Seksuski uh, moving on now. And, uh, gee, I, I'm just wondering, is the culling over?
4: Uh, it's an interesting question. I think it's obviously related to the move that's going on. Um, that V8 Supercar personnel is being divided, really, between Sydney and Queensland. So there's an inevitable sort of culling that will happen as a result of any relocation. So, um, I, I, I think... It's a tough one. Obviously, it's a tough climate. VF Supercars hasn't been immune from the economic crisis that hit a few years back, and I think it's a bit of a delayed reaction to that. Um, A more streamlined process. I think this is you know, probably an effect of James Walker now being in the role of CEO for over a year now. I think he's sort of settled in the role. Um, The TV money will come in as of next year, so I think it's a case of the foundations have been built and now sort of moving on from there. Um, So it's going to be, as I was saying before, it's an interesting year in the sense of not just the TV deal, but also um, the calendar for 2015 and is there going to be a return to international races and um, how the staff is sort of divided between Sydney and Brisbane and whether there will be a permanent move to Sydney. Um, It it makes sense when you consider that's where, you know, the majority of corporate Australia is based um, as opposed to Queensland. So I think that move might become a more permanent, Um, regular
0: move. It just means that they are, uh, well, smack bang in the centre, if not favouring Melbourne. Tony, for uh, where their teams are located.
2: Yeah, it's a very sad thing. I've known Kurt for over 12 years, and uh, he was certainly one of the very, very strong individuals who uh, did a great job in his operations and set the benchmark in a way in which it... uh, it was going to be run and um, he really did do, do a terrific job and then moved across to events some I mean, years back. I thought he was being groomed for a far bigger stage and he, uh, he obviously is not moving into. Um, Mark Perry has been brought in above him and uh, I, I would think that he, he made the decision that uh, he didn't want to be there. Mm. But uh, I intend to call him this week and talk to him about it But because it does mean that um, you know there are very few
0: of the originals left now. Very, very few.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we need to take a break on the V8 Insiders. Plenty more when we return.
1: Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8
3: Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
0: Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Tony Whitlock and Adrian Mussolino joining me, Craig Revell. And guys, we've seen a few announcements this week we've got a volvo driver and they've even tested the car with the volvo engine tony
2: yeah yeah i mean pretty exciting news i uh, haven't really seen much in the way of reports uh on the way that test went and i imagine they play it very close to their chest um but you know i mean you can't believe that uh, polestar would do anything but a crackerjack job the unfortunate thing is the there haven't been many v8 engines for this category built in either uh, well, built in the northern hemisphere that have worked down here. Nice. No. And then the uh, um, AMG engine had to be sort of reconfigured to, to suit far more what we need, fly-by-wires and uh, throttle bodies and things like that. And of course, you go back to Walkinshaw um, and, and FPR with ProDrive, drive you know, it meant that here is where they should be built. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out.
4: Yeah, they're in for a big year, you know, as we saw with Nissan and Erebus last year. It's- It's a big year of development, and and so much can potentially go wrong. So they're definitely in for a big year. I think the disadvantage they have is they're running less cars than Erebus and Nissan did last year. So um, they need to get a lot more info out of those two cars, and that can be difficult when there's reliability issues. Um, But it will be interesting to see as well how the relationship between Polestar and GRM works and... um, how the lines of communication go, um, that was a bit of an issue for Erebus and AMG at the start. So they're, they're definitely in for a learning year and it's very hard to sort of try and pinpoint any expectations or where we where they'll shake out the grid comfort come to it. So um, it'll be very interesting to see that for
0: sure. Robert Dalgren is going to be an interesting exercise too because uh, if you think back, Max Wilson... You have uh, Alex Prema and the other Europeans don't necessarily, even though they've got good driving credentials, always transfer well into the sport, into the V8 supercars and into Australian motorsport. Tony.
2: Yeah. Um, look, you know, I mean, he's certainly uh, been successful running around in um, fourth and revolvers in uh, in Europe. It's a big jump to. Uh, Head down only I mean, to learn our sort of tracks that are very, very different. Um, I, you know, I, I saw a, a post about um, where he'll be in the pack, sort of thing, and I thought, gee, that's going to be a bit cruel on him to, to come and learn so much with the car where they're learning it and things like that. It's just a very, you know, if Bremen had a steep curve, this dalvin has got an even steeper one.
0: Yes, that's right. It's uh, it, It's going to be interesting, Adrian, to see how he progresses, and of course, Adrian Premo, uh, sorry Adrian Alex Prema was making his move forward and starting to become more and more comfortable with the V8 supercars.
4: Yeah and that's where it's, you know you have to question the decision but obviously it's related to Volvo and um, they had a preference for a a driver who they've worked with before and has experience with the S60 but as Tony was saying it's a very different beast to what they race in Europe so he's in for a steep learning curve and um it's definitely going to be a big year for him it's not just the, the car itself it's the tracks and um the way the series works the advantage he's got i guess is that there's not going to be too much pressure or expectation given that it's a new car so um you know he doesn't have as much pressure as they alec primar did in an established team with an established car so um it'll be interesting to see where he shakes out um yeah, in terms of expectations, you'd think it would be towards the back of the five years. It's all about how the rate of improvement throughout the season.
0: But the big question, Mark, is he'll only be judged against Scott McLaughlin, and as we've learnt from Scott McLaughlin's career, he's a very quick and adaptable young man, Tony.
2: Yes, indeed. Look, it's interesting to think back, and you've got to go back you know, nearly 10 years, or no longer than that, Um, you've got to go back to the late 90s when when you had like guys like Andy Priu and uh, John Crelland and, um, oh, I can't think of have a couple of names, but you know, when they're coming out with the Renaults and things like that, they were very fast in four cylinders. And some of them, when they converted, would get some way when they were in a V8. But not all of them did. Um, Elaine Menu never really got into a super top car.
0: Well, no, hold on, didn't Menu won Sandown with Craig Lowndes? Really? Yes, and he was, he was right up there with Lowndes that same year uh, with a good chance of winning Bathurst back in the uh, better electrical days. that admittedly that's not when we had the super tour of V8 battles, which is this era you're referring to. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah but it was guys, what I was talking about was really the guys who were super quick in four cylinders around Bathurst, and yet when they came around and, and some of them got into a V8, they found the gap. And they found that, you know, making that jump into these big, cumbersome things. And, of course, it was even worse last year when so many of them were finding the cars incredibly nervous, which they'd never had before, a nervousness which hadn't been there. Now, obviously, 12 months on, it's going to be a different than And, obviously, the track's going to be recovered, uh, you know, um, resurfaced, so it'll be different again. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, the... Job for
0: the likes of not getting easier yet. No, it's not going to get easier. Uh, Adrian, was anyone surprised when uh, Volvo Polestar Gary Rogers Motorsport or Gary Rogers Motorsport uh, announced Valvoline would be their major sponsor?
4: No, I guess yeah. There's very obvious and um, well-established links between the two, and um, you know it, it makes sense that they wanted to continue that relationship and and sort of step up at a time when there's a starting new change and a factory team and a new manufacturer. Um, I was a bit surprised to see Fujitsu go for that reason. I thought they might be tempted to stay um, into the Volvo era, um, as we saw with Jack Daniels at Nissan. But, um, yeah, it, it makes sense, and hopefully it'll be very interesting to see the livery on the car, what sort of balance there is between Volvo Polestar Blue and Valvoline and colours. I guess there's a bit of a um, link there, so... Yeah, no real surprise there, and it's good to see a team lock in their title sponsor. As we are saying before, it's a very difficult economic environment at the moment, and there's still quite a few cars without title sponsors um, announced just yet, so hopefully we see more locked away before the
0: test day. Mm, And also uh, with Valvoline, it's a case of making sure that the dealer network for Volvo is using that product so there's a, a significant business-to-business relationship that they're uh, trying to work on at the same time, Tony.
2: Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, and I mean, as uh, we saw with the Nissans, you know, that we've got two re- two yellow ones and two black ones, and, you know, a requirement for these factory teams to go out and get real sponsorship on their cars. You can't just run around with, with uh, pseudo-sponsors
0: there. That's uh, certainly been a big change. Guys, Triple uh, Eight Race Engineering, making a number of changes engineering-wise. Uh, of course, some of these were forced upon by the departure of Adrian Burgess last year, but uh, it, it is a case of reward for success and hard work, Tony.
2: Yeah, look, I'm really wrapped in this one. I I've I've probably saw it coming you know, several times that had uh, alluded to it, and I've thought quite highly of uh, both... Um, Paul, uh, you no, know, Paul, uh, Mark Dutton and uh, Jeremy Moore, and for one of them to be given, and particularly Mark Dutton to be given that team manager's job, and of course, appropriately, for Jeremy to get the Chief of Engineering. Um, yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, you know, what has to be remembered about both those guys is they were originals at uh, John Briggs. You know, they were people who were hired as young engineers, with any credentials, didn't have any real experience, but have grown in the job and have been with. Two bosses, first of all, of course, for a short time, Briggsy, and then Roland, who recognises the skill of these people and promoted within. I would suggest there's probably a fair bit of Roland not wanting to go out and buy uh, somebody from overseas and probably recognising there's not that many here locally that would walk into that sort of a job because you've got to actually have not only experience but also the um, kudos and be recognised as uh, being capable of doing the job. And that's why I think Dutton has...
0: After the uh, initial couple of years at Triple at Eight, where they did go through and, and really ring through the staff, their successful period now, the last four years, it's been stability that's been the key. And this is what goes with stability. People start moving up the ladder because they've proved they're uh, capable, Adrian, of conducting themselves in that professional manner.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Look, That stability has been key for Triple Eight. You look at the wink up lounge combination – um, what, we're going back to 2006, so that's, um, you know, almost coming on a decade together, and you can't, you know, you can't fight that sort of experience, that just comes with time, and I think that's what a lot of other teams have um, struggled with in recent years, just this chopping and changing and constantly trying to find this winning formula when you really need to let it develop and get there, and you look at the championship last year, it was, you know, the two drivers against Winterbottom, and you know, drivers who had been embedded within their teams for a number of years and worked with the same sort of engineering group in that time. So um, it, it's great to see that stability. And, um, it, you know, it, I think the thing that's interesting about 2014 is Adrian Burgess and what impact he has on Morganshaw and if he can build a sort of similar team environment at Clayton and um, what impact that'll have. Because, you know, you look at HRCs, they you know,
0: just missed that final piece of the puzzle in recent years and he could be it. Mm. And, and Tony, uh, it, it's a, a fascinating move because I remember back to when they said they're going to pull Ludo out of the line and put him into his current role. Everyone's thinking, you're crazy. What are you doing? This this guy is the key to your team. And certainly they didn't take a backward step at any stage from that decision either. No,
2: no, look, you know, it's fascinating looking up and down pit lane to see, A, the consolidation of people, you know, to see so many teams. I mean, you know, Walkinshaw is probably the one that's going to have the biggest change from last year to this, and they've gone from three to four cars. they certainly brought, you know, an experienced man in Nielsen back um, and also gathered, you know, I mean, it would have, you would have to think that it was the challenge for Burgess. I mean, he's won championships now at both DJR and Triple Eight, And now he's got that chance to regain the form that, uh, you know, I mean, when I was in the championship, HRT was
0: the benchmark. You know, that was it. Mm. Yeah, it is going to be interesting times ahead. Guys, looking forward to catching up with you right throughout season 2014. And uh, uh, thank you for joining us on the show this week. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. The White Flag Lap is up next. We speak with Todd Kelly about his first season with Nissan on board. I hope you'll stay with us.
1: You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars.
0: I am Rick Kelly if you're listening to V8 Insiders This week on the White flag Lab brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers Todd Kelly spoke to Peter Norton about his first year as a Nissan factory team
3: uh, It's always tough in, uh, in motorsport if you're not on the podium or winning races you're never happy um but all in all, for our first year with a completely new car, completely new engine and trying to develop that as we went along, I think uh, you couldn't have asked for much more to have the 1-2 the finish at Winton and some solid results in our first year has been quite good. We have literally hit a little bit of a brick wall with the, um, the speed of the car, especially with the aero side of it, so um, most traits have really have your hand tied behind your back when you lose you know four five six even up to 10k an hour up the straight so to get through the year um and learn all of that stuff will certainly prepare us much better for next year if we can sort those things out the engine will uh, naturally develop and we'll improve that along the way um but the first year you know in the end it's pretty tough but next year is going to be a really good one for us when we get on top of that stuff are you confident that an appropriate solution will be found for the aero package yeah we've been working on it for quite some time now um, and now that we've identified where the issue is uh, it's much easier to fix because early on in the year we thought um, we, you know, we blame most of our straight line speed on the engine uh, and as we've improved the engine along the way the, the straight line speed's not really improved so um, we know exactly where the issue is and uh, hopefully we've got it completely sorted for next year. What would you consider the highlights for the year? Um, Oh, there's there's heaps the um, the amount of effort that's gone into these cars, just the R and D. Uh, which is unfortunately um, extremely expensive but where we started this year with the engine um, both reliability and power output's been you know, huge improvements and you wouldn't realise it unless you put this package here next to what we rolled out at Clipsal, but um, massive improvement and the guys have all done an amazing job so uh, lo- a lot of highlights just getting the cars to the point where they're reliable and, um, and put it, putting ourselves in a position where we can get that last little bit for next year
0: The uh, one-two at Winton, of course, must have been a highlight, but was it also a little bit bittersweet with the controversy that went hand in hand?
3: Oh, it didn't worry me, because anyone that has half an idea knows that, um, you know, that fuel thing made no difference at all. It's a one-track, that the aero drag didn't really affect us as much, and, um, you know, as we say all year, the cars are good around the corners. It's just the straights, and we got a result from it.
0: That's all we have time for this week on the show. My thanks to Adrian Mussolino
3: and also
0: to Tony Whitlock. There's a Checker flag waves over another edition of the show. Turn next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders. Only
1: on V8x.com.au